So good morning everybody and welcome. It's Sunday morning and here we are at Essex Church in London, recreating our community of Kensington Unitarians once again. For ours is an ever-changing community shaped by all who join us, both in the here and now and sometime in the future, listening to a podcast. If you are listening to this service as a recording, do please feel our connection to you and maybe get in touch and let us know your thoughts about the areas of life we're exploring today. Our ministry theme for this month of January is Chance, (coughs) Luck and Randomness. And Janine and I have been doing a great deal of thinking, reading, talking about today's particular topic with its worrying title of There Is No Plan. And yet we can all relax because there is actually a plan for the next hour that we'll be spending together. Through music, silence, words and ritual, we'll make a space for our own thoughts, for insights to emerge, for ideas perhaps to settle. So let us now settle ourselves in the here and now. Maybe take a conscious breath. And as we breathe out, be aware of all that we've brought with us here. And let it all be. The busy world, our busy minds, Our bodies, be they aching or joy-filled. And may this simple chalice flame remind us of people the world over yearning for freedoms that we oft take for granted free to worship as we wish, free to think our own thoughts, free to love who we love, free to be who we are and to search for our own truths. Let us each give thanks for our freedom and commit ourselves to being allies for all those who also wish to be free. We've got um, a short story now and it's one I've used lots of times before. It's a really ridiculous story, and I know none of us would behave like this, but there must be some message in it for me, because I keep on using it. You perhaps remember it, it's the one about a place where there had been weeks of heavy rain, and the fact that there are actually real floods going on around our world at this moment makes me feel even worse about telling a daft story about such matters, but forgive me for that. Imagine a place, a small town, there'd been weeks of heavy rain. Floods had forced many of the townspeople to leave their homes. And one man, a very religious person, had clambered out of his bedroom window onto the roof to escape the rising waters. And there he was, stuck on his rooftop in a flood, and he was praying to God for help. Soon, a man in a rowing boat came by, and the fellow shouted to him from the roof, rather the man in the boat shouted to the man on the roof come on jump in I can save you and the stranded fellow shouted back no it's okay I'm praying to God he's going to save me so the rowing boat went on to look for other people in need of help and then a motorboat came by 
The woman driving the motorboat shouted, Come on, jump in, I can save you. And to this the stranded one replied, No thanks, I'm praying to God, go to save me, I've faith. So off went the motorboat. Then the helicopter came by, the pilot shouted down, Grab this rope and we'll lift you to safety. And to this the stranded one again replied, No, no thanks, I'm praying to God, going to save me, I have faith. So the helicopter pilot reluctantly flew away. And soon the rope, the waters rose above the rooftop and the man drowned. He went to heaven. He finally got his chance to discuss the whole situation with God, at which point he exclaimed, I had faith in you, but you didn't rescue me. You let me drown, and I don't understand why. And to this God replied, I sent you a rowing boat and a motorboat and a helicopter. What more did you expect? Uh, we're celebrating the 450th anniversary of the Edict of Torda. On January the 13th, 2018, and that was yesterday, one of the world's very first statements of religious tolerance had its 450th anniversary. Way back in 1568, in the city of Torda, in what is now Transylvania, a region of Romania, a religious gathering presided over by Unitarian King, the only Unitarian King that has ever existed so far. John Sigismund was his name, and he proclaimed that any congregation could find a preacher that they liked and stick with them, whatever the teachings were, no one shall be reviled for their religion by anyone, and it is not permitted that anyone should threaten anyone else by imprisonment for their faith. Faith is the gift of God, so said King John Sigismund. So Unitarianism was officially recognised for the first time in the history of the world in that Edict of Torda. And that proclamation is the beginning of our Unitarian legacy to be a spiritual tradition that resists hatred, oppression, and that narrow view that there is to be faithful only one way to be religious, only one way to be free. So, in remembrance of all those brave pioneers who encouraged their societies to move towards religious freedom, I invite you to join in this time of prayer and reflection. Let's now align ourselves with the God of our hearts and our understanding. Inviting the spirit of life and love that dwells within each of us to be with us now. To illuminate this, our time of worship. That insight and clarity may shine through us. Brightening our spirits and all those around us. We pray, though we may not feel sure who or what we are praying to. Some speak of God or the great mystery, of Lord or Goddess or the Divine. And some of us cannot put a name to something that is so vast and unknowable. But let us not be put off by this inability to name the nameless. Let us be able, in quiet moments such as this, to allow ourselves a time of reflection, 
to allow ourselves chance to relate with something greater than just ourselves. To relate with something that encourages us to be the best that we can possibly be. And to make the most of this gift of life that we've been given. In a few moments of stillness now, let us each give expression to some of our deepest yearnings. For ourselves. For our loved ones. for our planet Earth, for our world's desperate situations, may our lives be illuminated and inspired by all that is great and good. And may we each find our next steps in life. Steps that hopefully can bring us peace. And steps that help bring our communities towards greater justice, deeper equality more loving compassion for ourselves and all beings. And may this be so for the greater good of all. Amen. We've, um, we've mentioned here before that in, in Victorian times they would have been singing an extra verse to that hymn, All Things Bright and Beautiful. I don't know if you, you're aware of it, but it goes, The rich man in his castle, the poor man at his gate, God made them high or lowly and ordered their estate. So, all things not quite so beautiful then. Economic injustice the world over is a mean and ugly aspect of human existence, and I hate the thought of it being justified in any way as part of God's plan for humanity. But um, global economics is just too gloomy a topic to tackle this early on a Sunday morning, so let's think instead about finding a parking space. Or if you're a sensible Londoner and wouldn't dream of polluting our capital city's air with a combustion engine, this could equally apply to finding a seat on a crowded tube or bus. Do you have any secret ways of finding a parking place or getting a seat on a bus? Mm, some of you do. Some of you are keeping... Oh, the top deck. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's rational, Juliet. <laughs> Don't stand anywhere near anybody who's reading. Yes. If you don't wash for three days, it's remarkable. Good, good. I'm 
glad that thought is going into this tricky problem of city life. Yes. Yes. Being willing to take a seat when it's offered to you, Michaela. Yes, I agree. Now, I'm not going to name anybody, but various members of this congregation, indeed some one-time members of our committee, steadfastly believe in the services of the parking fairy who can be activated by drawing circles in the palm of your hand and quietly muttering, find me a parking space. Apparently it never fails. And so I was very, very pleased when I found the cartoon that we've used on the front of today's order of service from the ever-delightful pen of Dave Walker of Cartoon Church. It's a bit small, so uh, if you're having trouble uh, seeing what the sign re reads, it shows a car park sign telling desperate shoppers that there are parking spaces still available, but they've all been predestined to people who prayed for them in advance. <coughs> Predestination, the, the idea that a supernatural, meaning beyond the natural world, entity is watching over us and has already decided what's going to happen next. This is an idea that has long been part of religious thinking. And that's hardly surprising, really, is it? This world has always been a scary place. Things happen unexpectedly. Floods come our way. Things are clearly out of human control. So to imagine that some greater force than us is in charge of things is quite logical and quite comforting. To believe that there is an overarching plan is understandable. And I don't know about you, but I do have a sense of being guided sometimes, of there being connections beyond my comprehension. And to think the opposite, that life is empty and meaningless, that there is no plan, no higher power, it demands greater responsibility from us poor humans, doesn't it? And for me, it doesn't mean that we're all going to immediately turn into self-seeking brutes who do whatever we want. It means, I think, that we have to grapple with complex issues of causation and power. We have to think about free will and, and what that really means when our accident of birth into particular circumstances plays such a large part in shaping our lives. Much of life is random, I think. Chance plays a greater part in all our existences than we probably generally imagine. And yet, yet we have some power, don't we, over our own situations. Discoveries in the rapidly developing field of neuroscience have helpfully told us what pattern-seeking minds we have. When our computer breaks down, or we stub our toe, when we miss an important train ride, or we come down with a cold, or we make circles in our hand and soon afterwards find that parking space, we try to make sense of it all by attributing causation to inanimate things. Oh, I wasn't meant to go to that meeting, or oh, I really do need to have a rest and not use the computer so much. Those are two that I've used in the last month or found myself thinking. And there is nothing wrong with this kind of magical thinking until it starts to rule our lives and starts to disempower us. And in truth, perhaps humanity has always been hedging its bets just in case God doesn't rescue us 
Have a look at the quote on the front of today's order of service from Professor Hawking. I've noticed, he says, that even people who claim everything is predestined and that we can do nothing to change it, they look before they cross the road. It reminds me of that Islamic proverb, trust in Allah, but tie up your camel. So I look forward to hearing how you get a space on the bus or a parking space. Is there perhaps another magical incantation that you could teach me? I await with interest. We're moving into a time of shared stillness, <coughs> silence and meditation now. And I'll say a few words for you to follow or not, as you wish. Feel free to follow your own thoughts if you prefer. And this will be followed by a good few minutes of shared silence, which will be ended by an improvised <laughs> ding from from Sarah, we seem to be having um, um, bell problems. We've lost the Tibetan bowl. Anybody this evening, let us know. Yep. So you'll hear a ding. Are you going to? I don't think I'm going to ding because it's going to make us all laugh, isn't it? I will just say some appropriate words. Okay. So I invite you to put down anything that you don't need at this time and put your feet on the floor. Become aware of your body supported in the chair underneath you. And close your eyes or soften your gaze as suits you. For the next few minutes, all the noises outside and around you, they won't matter as you turn your attention within. And as you turn your attention inwards, pay attention to your breathing for a while, allowing it to relax you a little more, allowing it to let you be still and feel centered. And as your attention moves even further inwards, I invite you to consider for a moment the idea that life, the life that you live, is not one of an overarching predestined plan or pre-made maps of fate and destiny. And instead, Consider your life as being held in a state of infinite possibility. Much like a book which is not pre-written, like a journal yet to be completed with its blank pages, stretching forth, waiting to be filled. There may be some pointers, some clues from the 
previous illustrations and text of what may appear in the book's following chapters, paragraphs and pages. But the content is up to you. And although at first the idea, if you're not used to it, can feel a little bit scary of there being no plan that everything and everyone can be certain of. In this time and place, you can let yourself be aware of a sense of excitement, a sense of inner freedom, and that these blank pages in your life book, pregnant with possibility, can begin now to form the wishes and dreams, hopes and beliefs of your life. So allow yourself to get a sense or paint a picture in your mind of what those things are for you as we sit in stillness and silence now. The idea of there being or not being a great plan, an ultimate order and grand scheme is something I find intriguing and I'm going to briefly tell you about a couple of interweaving concepts I've grappled with when it comes to this, starting with a theological one and then a more down-to-earth one. The theological divine plan I was introduced to at a young age was from Catholicism that Jesus died for our sins so that we could have a chance to go to heaven, that if we did all the right things, made amends for our wrongdoing and believed in him, we'd have eternal life. As a child, I didn't really grasp the idea that this was a belief about what happened after someone died. I just held on to the idea that this gave me a map of my life to follow that if I could always try to do the right thing, be honest, generous and, and helpful amongst other things, I'd be in with a chance of living my life forever. As I grew older, I didn't really think about it, but this theology, or at least my understanding of it, shaped and influenced my actions and decisions throughout my younger life often filling me with guilt when I didn't live up to fulfilling the idea of a perfectly good life, especially as Jesus had died for me and my sins. But in growing into adulthood, I started to unconsciously realise that this promise of eternal life, as I'd viewed it, wasn't the case. That when exploring the topic of death, whether through a death cafe event or hearing of older relatives dying, 
I became aware of an inner sense of pointlessness. What's the point of being good and trying to do the right thing all the time if I'm just going to die anyway? I'd ask myself. It actually wasn't until the end of last year when studying a theology course at Roehampton University that the penny dropped and I realised that the feelings of pointlessness arose from my childhood interpretation of Catholic theology. It was quite an enlightening realisation and I'm still uncovering and encountering the impact of letting go of those deeply internalised beliefs. But a sense of there being a greater plan that one puts certainty and faith in doesn't just have to be tied to religion and religious thinking. Societies and cultures worldwide have their own versions of this. And the one that became illuminated for me a few years back was from the messages of parents, schools, society and media that our lived lives have some kind of defined and definite pattern and order to them. That we grow up, leave school and get a job, marry, buy a house and have children, work until retirement age, enjoy our retirement, and then when we're really, really, really old, at the end of our lives, we die. You may have your, your own version of this lifetime table that you were told. And although my life didn't quite fit into this timetable, I thought that it worked as a pretty good structure for me to follow. But, but when a fairly young and healthy close relative died suddenly, it threw my whole sense of life timetabling out especially the part that says only older people die. I realise that people can die at any time. Long life is not necessarily granted for anyone, myself included. Up until that point, I'd made personal plans many years ahead. But with his death, I realised that nothing was a given. How was I to live with this reality? And just as importantly, I wondered how I was going to form a sense of meaning in my life, especially when this truth that there are so many things in life that I have not one ounce of control over was really being brought into focus for me. I concluded that, in fact, life is just a series of random events. And it was scary. No, actually, it was terrifying. The timetabling that Western society had handed me about my life fell away. The overhang of childhood Catholic teaching of what happens after death fell away. I let go of the plan. The plan that I was going to strive towards a place in heaven if there was a heaven at all that good people in life get rewarded, baddies get caught and death only comes at the end of a long and happy life. This isn't the movies after all, this is real life. And the only thing I could be sure about was what was happening in the here and now. 
So it's been a journey and one I continue on. But thankfully, a journey I don't travel alone. As a member here of Kensington Unitarians, I'm thankful to be discovering and finding ways I can bring meaning to my life and the events which happen in it in the company of others without that meaning being as a result of some sort of external divine plan and exploring what it is to truly live knowing that time is finite and limited. It's a work in progress not just for me, but in its own way for us all. So let's continue to help each other on our journeys as meaning makers in this no plan life. So may it be.